You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. Thanks for being here today. I'm Leanne Dolan. I live in Pasadena, California. I'm a writer and producer and podcaster. I have two 20-something sons. I just celebrated my 30th wedding anniversary. Right. Something, Leanne. Here's what our question of the week is. Where were you last Tuesday? I was right here. Liz, where were you last Tuesday? Well, I'm Liz Dolan. Yeah, I was sitting right here in Santa Monica. It's same old, same old. You know, I'm a marketer, I'm a podcaster, and I'm just sitting in my second bedroom uh, last Tuesday. How about you, Julie? Well, Leanne and Liz, I'm pretty sure I'm going to win this one. Uh, I'm Julie Dolan. I'm the eldest sister. I've lived and worked all over the place, all over the world. Uh, and Liz and Leanne, last week, I wasn't with you on the show because I was hiking in Chile. Okay. Wow. That's okay. Amazing. You, you win. You win. Okay. I win. I win. Love these satellite sisters, intra sister competitions. Didn't know we were having one this no. week. But I was in Chile. I have a full report uh, of my adventure later in the show. And I want to uh, welcome new listeners to Satellite Sisters. You know, we're getting new listeners all the time, Liz and Leanne. And yeah. I have a special group of new friends that I made in Chile that I think may be listening. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. Welcome aboard. We're glad you're here. <laughs> oh, very nice, Julie. I cannot wait to hear. Like this is one of those things where Julie doesn't really tell us anything until we do the show. So we don't really know anything either. Great. Looking forward to it. Um, all right. Also today on the show, uh, Liz, you you really went above and beyond in the entertaining sisters category. So you watched a lot of things. You must have nothing to do there, Liz. Is that, let's, <laughs> got, got nothing to do. And, and partly it's because when I go out side now and being chased by unpiloted vehicles, Leanne. But I will, uh, I'll explain that later. All right. Julie, a couple of weeks ago when you weren't in Chile, you posed, I think maybe one of the most provocative questions we've ever had on the show. What of, am of, I our saying? Life, of my lifetime, Liz, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. What am I supposed to do about lunch now that my husband is retired? Julie, you got a lot of really thoughtful and tortured follow-up on that question. Yes, I did. And I'm going to share some of the results from this, you know, extensive comments from the Satellite Sisterhood. Yes. Great. And, you know, it wouldn't be Satellite Sisters if we didn't talk about Martha Stewart once on the show. So we're going to <laughs> later on in the show. Also, obviously, a lot going on in the world. Uh, that is not great. We're going to talk about some of the terrible violence that we've had here in California later. Uh, all right, let's see. But Liz, first, you're you're up. Okay, what okay. Here's the thing. Yeah, I know. Last week, I was like all good with Chat GPT with artificial intelligence. It was going to be great. I was very optimistic. I have changed my mind, sisters, because <laughs> I, I I realized, you know, because when you walk your dog, you just see a lot of things going on in your neighborhood. All of a sudden, my neighborhood, I would say over the last two years, but especially over the last year, it's just being swarmed by unpiloted vehicles. Really? It is really? Just, yes. Are you? Let's just say things that are being tested here. I think because I'm an urban neighborhood, but it's flat and easy. It must be a good place for people to practice this stuff. So here's here's the good part. I posted this in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. I posted a little video of Coco. And maybe you, maybe you sister saw that Coco is one of the many little delivery robots that I see around my neighborhood all the time. And Coco, as someone said in the comments, is like a Pixar character, you know, so you, <laughs> you just see Coco going about, going about her business, delivering someone's fast food or delivering someone's groceries. And uh, Coco went zipping by us when I was out walking Hooper last week. So that's why I posted a little video. But then there were quite a few questions in the Facebook group about, wait, how does that work? And it really prompted me to do a little research into Coco. So here's one funny thing, which I didn't know. Um, Coco is actually piloted by someone back in in their own bedrooms speaking of which coco those cocos are actually piloted by like young gamers so oh, if you wow. imagine 
if you imagine like, okay, the little robot is out on the street, but someone is someone is driving Coco. I did not realize that. Well, so there's a, I mean, that's better. I mean, cause do you still have all those scooters? All no, over all the scooters sidewalk? are gone. Okay. All the scooters me. are gone uh, except for a couple. We have a few bikes left, but, but Coco, for those of you who wanted to know, Coco is piloted by a kid in a room with a joystick. So that's yeah. what's happening with Coco. And some of, there was another question. Somebody said, well, couldn't someone just like grab Coco and take the food out of the little container? <laughs> I could not, I could not find the answer to that. I'm sorry. I, I had never thought of chasing down Coco and stealing the takeout food, but that that's probably possible. Anyway, so Coco is being tested. I'm fine with that. Coco Liz, is not. I, I have a question about Coco because we don't have these yet here in Pasadena, even though oh. we're suburban and stuff. I just haven't seen them. So who is is the company Coco? Like who owns it? Is it so Grubble? the company is Coco, but they provide this service to restaurants and stores. Oh, okay. So if you were say a restaurant that wanted to do takeout delivery, God. you okay. you get a, you get get yourself some cocos. And from what I, in my research, it is actually cheaper for the companies to have their own cocos than it is to use like Uber Eats or Grubhub or all of that. So it's a it's a delivery solution for restaurants and stores. So, okay, uh, thank you. I really, I, I just, you took it for granted. Like, oh, look at this, this Coco. I'm like, what is happening with that thing? <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, so Coco is the still light weird, side. still a little weird, still but weird. I, yeah. But it's fun. It's fun. Coco yeah. is the light side of the autonomous vehicle. Now, let me tell you about the dark side of the autonomous vehicle. Okay. I, had, I had also noticed often, again, out walking my dog three times a day, Waymo vehicles going by me, and I thought the Waymo car, you know, with the cameras on top and stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought that was just like a Google maps car. Cause you see those around from time to time. Right. Have you right. ever seen those? Uh, so yes. they're just taking pictures yeah. and mapping the streets for street views and things. But then I realized I was seeing this Waymo car, like literally every time I went out and then, <laughs> and I, then I thought the Waymo car, are they stalking me? What's happening here now with Waymo? Or is this some other thing? So I did a little research. So this is not a mapping car. This is an autonomous vehicle that they, what the Waymo driver, they call it. It just drives around and around and around in the same neighborhood a lot. And I guess I'm just like one of the neighborhoods. It gathers information in real time. And the specialty of the Waymo car is that it, here's the scary part, sisters, it learns to anticipate what other road users might do. In other words, it understands uh -oh. how a car moves differently than a cyclist, a pedestrian, or another object. And then, dun, 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 it predicts the many possible paths that other road users may take, all in the blink of an eye. Okay, this, oh. this I am not. I'm not done with this. So no, why, but, why? Why? Why would you why? have a, yeah. I just think predict like, okay, do I really believe the Waymo is going to be able to predict Hooper's behavior when he sees a squirrel across the street and goes darting across the street? No, Julie, I do not. I have a lot of confidence in artificial intelligence, but is artificial intelligence ever going to be able to predict that? Mm, I don't think so. Um, but so then I thought once I thought, am I not noticing that there's nobody behind the wheel? And uh, so now I'm watching for all the Waymo cars and uh, that the Waymo, and cars, Waymo is watching you too. Yeah. I think you should be more concerned about that. Yes. So there are one or two people in every car and there is someone behind the wheel of every car. Oh, because okay. This is obviously just in the testing mode, but they say the goal of this, the Waymo driver is what the product is called. It's the embodiment of fully autonomous technology Passengers don't even need to know how to drive. They can sit in the back seat, relax, and enjoy the ride with the Waymo driver, getting them to their destination safely. I'm skeptical. That's all I'm saying. I'm just skeptical. <laughs> That's, I'm just, and why are they all in my neighborhood? I would like this to be tested somewhere else. Really go through all of your testing out in the middle of nowhere, somewhere. But here was the thing that did make me feel better. Well, that just, does them no good. I'm glad they're actually gathering data and it's not just 
people theorizing in a room, like they're actually out there on the streets. I mean, they keep telling us autonomous vehicles are coming and I want them to be as filled with data and possibilities as they possibly can. And I'm glad they're not in my neighborhood. It does sound creepy, (laughs) but I'm glad they're somewhere. I'm sure the CEO lives in your neighborhood. That's probably why they're there. Okay. It's probably a NIMBY situation then. I just do want them tested in somebody's neighborhood, but not necessarily mine. They said the Waymo driver has built up over 20 million miles of real world driving and 20 billion miles in simulation. And I literally think all of that is in Santa Monica. The other day though, (laughs) this is, I see the car everywhere. The one thing that made me feel better is the other day I saw two Waymo cars pass each other. So I thought, oh, there's more than one. For some reason, I felt better about that. I just really thought it was this one car that was stalking me that I was seeing wherever I go. Anyway, just while I would be curious, is anyone else seeing this in their neighborhood? I know it's coming. I know I'll be I'll be just old enough by the time they figure this out to be really grateful. I can sit in the back seat and, and have an autonomous car take me to my doctor's appointments, right? That's <laughs> That's what this is for. Anyway, that's, that's who they're going to start with, the old people. Oh. <laughs> old people. Uh, good. She's great. Just more news. The future is here. We got Coco. We got Waymo. It's here, people. That's all. Liz, that it's number. there in your neighborhood for sure. Yes. For yes. sure. All right. That's a good, some good reporting, Liz. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Be stay safe out there, Liz. Stay safe. <laughs> well, I uh, while Julie was in Chile, I was at home and I was finishing the revisions on my next novel. So I am very happy to report. There's nothing more delightful than pressing send on uh, first the first edition of your book. You know, the first manuscript uh, that goes out, and then you get notes back, and then you press send again when you do the revisions. Congratulations! So, Thank you. Now, and so, does that mean you're done? You don't have no. to. No, no. no. So this is the first set of revisions, but it's usually the bigger note. So here's okay. how it works. So I have a book called The Marriage Sabbatical, uh, and it's about a couple that's been married 25 years, and they decide they have an opportunity to take a work sabbatical, and they decide to take it separately, and mm. all, and then all sorts of things happen after that. Like you know, there are uh, there are consequences of their decision. Um, so I turned in, uh, the first draft to my editor in October, and then she works on other books and things like that. So I didn't get the revisions back till mid December. And she said, right when I was going to write the Hallmark movie, that's when I got the revisions back. So, uh, (laughs) I thought I might have time, but no, I needed to get on the revisions. And so she had a couple of big notes like, Hey, I think we need to do more of this. It was like one note. I don't want to say what it was like. But it had to do with consequences. She said, I, I think you need more of this in the book. So, and then uh, you have this key scene in the front of the book. I think you need to repeat some version of it at the end of the book. All right. Oh. So those are the two big notes she gave me. So, you know, so editors work in all different ways. Sometimes I've just gotten like a 16 page editor's letter with tiny notes, but she said, it's a very clean draft. So if I could work on these two things, there might be a few other things after that, but I'll probably nearly 98% of the way there. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. So the first thing I did was get a terrific cold and just not do anything, but watch Emily in Paris. (laughs) So that was good. And then there was the holidays. Yeah, kind of slacked off, you know, 20th on. But then that week between Christmas and New Year's, I sort of stepped it up. Happy, happy to turn those in now. But then she'll take a look at them. And if there's anything she needs me to do or fix, come back, it comes back to me. So that will probably be in a couple of weeks. And then the copy editing process starts, which can be a very long uh, process for me because I make a lot of typos because uh, I'm a bad typist uh, in my uh, in my book. It's, sur- it's so surprising, but it's true, Leanne. It's yes. true. Yes, that's true. Uh, true story. Um, but uh, so that's it. So for the like, I would say the bulk of the work is done. This book will not come out for a year. That's kind of how long it takes now for publishers to organize uh, the cover and the copy edits and the supply chain issues and the paper and the printing and the marketing. So this book book will come out in January, 2024, but I'm happy to, it felt great to turn it in. And it's when you get a, when you get good notes, I really jived with this editor and it was just like, I I finished, I saw the notes. I'm like, oh yeah, totally. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, I, 
it's not like they're they come out of left field like you know why don't you put a narwhal in the book or something no it's, <laughs> it's it made sense and then and then as i was reading through it yesterday just the last you know couple of hours before i sent it just doing a quick revision i'm like oh yeah it's a much better book yep she made it a much better book thank you editor so <laughs> it's a lesson to you if you're out there and you're a writer and you i you talk to a lot of young writers who are like, oh, I don't want to show my work to anyone. Or I've I've met with writers who who literally will say, I don't want to change one word. Like I want to self-publish because as if the, this is a perfect manuscript and I don't want to change one word. I'm like, okie doke, good luck. Uh, because it really makes you a better writer when people read it who are editors or novelists themselves and can give you great notes. So I'm happy, happy to have that done that round. And, you know, now I have some time. Hey, I'm going to get back to that Hallmark movie, people. Going to get back okay. to that Hallmark movie. Oh, but I do want to mention you were probably, I know many of you waiting breathlessly on Friday, checking your email over and over again. Where's pep talk? What, where's pep talk, Leanne? I totally forgot. So that's <laughs> the good news and the bad news. Like I was so in the zone with the rewrites. I, I got to like Friday afternoon and I thought, wow, I'm really glad I did all that. I really got a chunk done and things are good. I'm feeling good. And now I have this extra time. And then I went, Oh, I forgot to write pep talk. No wonder I had so much time. So, um, you're going to get a double special issue this week, pep Ooh. talkers. Ooh. So, uh, so if you haven't subscribed, please do it's a free newsletter. So, um, you can go to us uh, satellitesisters.com and that will pop up. And I, I'm just going to make this week's pep talk boffo because, uh, boffo. I definitely have time to write. Okay. But anyway, that's what I've been doing. Revisions <laughs> done. Check. Congratulations. Yeah. Subscribe Thank to pep, pep, pep Talk. And as long as we're talking subscriptions, remember Satellite Sisters has a YouTube channel now. So I want to encourage people to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we do post every week's podcast episode on the YouTube channel. So if you go there, you'll see it's a video version of the audio. So you don't actually get to see us. I don't want to raise people's hopes too much. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't gone that far yet. Uh, but it is, um, and the complete show notes are there too. So I'm thinking like, if you subscribe to YouTube, then you always get a reminder when we post something new, which is good. But it's also a really easy way. If you have a friend who you've been saying, you know what, you should really listen to the Satellite Sisters podcast. And they say to you, I don't really do podcasting. I don't understand. <laughs> and, Liz, you know, no judgment. judgment. Take Just judgment. in that voice. Yeah, take that voice away, Liz. <laughs> I'm sure your friends don't talk to you in that voice, but in your head, they have that voice, right? You're like, oh, come on. It's so easy to, pod to listen to a podcast. Anyway, for that person, I say, just send them our podcast from our YouTube channel. It's really, because everybody goes on YouTube, right? To learn how to do anything, you have to go on YouTube now. So go to the Satellite Sisters channel and subscribe. You get the complete show and the show notes there every week. Also, not for nothing, but all of the back episodes of Cooking with Liz are there. And that actually <laughs> is video. That was a lot of video for multiple years during the peak of the pandemic when I was, it's not, it's not going to teach you how to cook. It's me learning how to cook. So if you want to just witness the, well, maybe. They're delightful episodes. Oh, okay. Don't, okay. don't sell yourself short there. <laughs> anyway, so I mean, it's it's all at the Satellite Sisters YouTube channel. We encourage you to uh, to spend some time there. It is a very fun way to just you can turn on the podcast while you're doing something else on your computer. Very easy way to listen. So there you go, Satellite Sisters on YouTube. Liz, I did just look up Coco on LinkedIn. Of course, they're headquartered in Santa Monica. That's oh, why. Okay. <laughs> There you go. So yeah, that's why they got those robots rolling there and Houston yeah. and Austin. So, it, you know, let us know if you've seen, seen those cocoa robots, they're adorable. They're adorable. They're, they are adorable and they're non-threatening. Unlike the big Waymo cars bearing down <laughs> okay. with okay. no driver. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stay with us. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm -hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting rave reviews. Leanne, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen 
for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. I, do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Lee and Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when I, my hair is really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you, you're the boss. I'll take it. <laughs> you tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Lian's. Okay? And I'm I'm using it. Pros mm -hmm. isn't just better for you. It's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. So, pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos, too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. Liz, you know we love talking about FrameBridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting FrameBridge experience. Would I, you I like did. to share? Would you like I know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already frame-bridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the frame-bridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and FrameBridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, rate or gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but FrameBridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds you like- you're going to be happy, okay? <laughs> That's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or see a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's FrameBridge.com. Thanks, FrameBridge. Welcome back. And Julie, welcome back to the United States. You you took a trip to Chile. It surprised Liz and I. All of a sudden you were going to Chile. Who knew? So uh, tell us all about it. What, what was happening there in Chile? Why'd you okay. go? What did you do? Well, yes, sisters, I was spent last week on a hiking trip in the beautiful, amazing, and very different uh, district, the Lake District of Chile. Now, are you familiar with the Lake, Lake District of Chile? No. 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 Well, don't worry. Neither was I. In fact, <laughs> pr prior to the trip, when I would tell people I was going to the Lake District in Chile, I would say, well, I'm going to the Lake District in Chile well, <laughs> as a question, because I was hoping that they knew something about it, because quite frankly, we didn't really know where we were going. This was a backroads hiking trip. Now, listeners will know that Liz and I went to Patagonia on a backroads trip. Mm -hmm. And then last Argentina. year- Argentina. Argentina. In Argentina, exactly. And we had a wonderful time. So this was supposed to be another hiking trip that that promised a string of gorgeous glacial lakes and volcanoes. Um, and 
and it's located, you fly to Santiago, which is the capital of Chile. And then you get on another plane, a smaller plane, and you fly another hour and a half south. And that's the start of the Lake District. And they're, if you look on a map, they're kind of in a line, these beautiful lakes. Some of them are as big as 10 miles by 20 miles wide. I mean, they're huge. And then this string of, can I say, active volcanoes, sisters? I mean, wow. so, oh. so the area, and also it was summertime in Chile now. This is sort of the peak summertime. I know it's probably cold, rainy, drizzly, wherever you are, but it's beautiful in Chile this time of year. And all the schools are closed. People are on their summer vacations right now. And so this area is also, it, you know, people on the trip, it's a group trip of hikers. You know, people said, well, it kind of looks a little like upstate New York, maybe a little like the Upper Peninsula in Michigan, or maybe the, you know, Oregon a little bit, but with completely different flora and fauna. Nice. So I mean, that was... That was amazing to okay. see. Well, Oregon does have the volcanoes. I'm not right. so sure about upstate New York with the volcanoes. Or- no, no, <laughs> but, no. Okay. But so combo- I, 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 yeah, I got to call it there. Upstate New York. Come on. Were those people from upstate New York that said that? <laughs> I mean, Leanne, volcanoes. Have, you, have you been to the Lake District, Leanne? Are you really already at the start of my description going to <laughs> no. totally refute this when you don't know? Yes, no, I'm saying the people from New York. Okay. I'd say the people from New York, like, if you don't have volcanoes, it's nothing like it. Okay. (laughs) I'm on your side, Julie. And just a weird FYI, a chunk of my new book takes place in the Lake District in Chile. No so way. I, really? Yes. I mean, yes. of course, Leon never tells right. us in her books. <laughs> how would we like, know? How would we, we would know? not know that. Okay. Yeah. So, so how did how did you know about the Lake District in Chile? Well, I was looking, the, the, I said they go on this sabbatical. And so the husband chooses to go on a motorcycle adventure through Patagonia. So yes. that's, oh. I had to start watching all kinds of YouTube videos and looking at touring companies that did these and learn a little bit about the Lake District in Chile. That's all. Just an FYI. Okay, carry on. No, you're doing fine. I, it looks like a very, very <laughs> special place. I'm, I'm, I'm underlining that for you. Yes. Volcanoes, I mean, are volcanoes. And these were, you know, and this is, I would have to say that has been like one of the things that I wanted to see was a lie was to see a volcano like up close and these are beautiful snow-capped volcanoes and some of them we saw one that was 10,000 feet high okay so as big as mount fuji and the way that volcanoes like dominate the like the um you know the environment because many mm-hmm. the first place we started our our hiking trip was this beautiful resort town called Pusan or Pukan. I, I couldn't, I didn't really get the language down. I mean, I have started Duolingo and I am doing Spanish as my personal goal this year. Oh, good for you. I'm only on lesson one. So I can say one <laughs> eats apples. That's okay. it. That's all I got. Okay. That's all I got. So, but, but in this town of Pukan or Pusan, there is this, the Via Rica um, volcano. And this is the most active volcano uh, in South America right now. I mean, it's smoking. I've, I've put some pictures on Facebook of this volcano. I mean, s- plumes of snow smoke were coming out. And in fact, uh, uh, my husband was just like, because he's the geologist, was like, over the moon when he saw this active volcano and it actually had pyroclastic material spewing out of it at night. So that was pretty exciting. Wait, and what word was that? Pyroclastic, pyroclastic material. Oh, is, that the, is that the glass that kind of spews out of volcanoes? Yes. yes. So okay. it's just stuff coming yeah. out of the okay. volcano. That's okay. it. I'm a, remember, volcano. I'm, a, I'm a volcano expert myself because I just saw one in Hawaii. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not an expert. I would describe myself as a volcano enthusiast. That's, <laughs> okay. that's what I am. Okay. But because there, and there was other seismic um, activity that happened while we were there that they raised the alert level 
uh, to code yellow. So that Ooh. was pretty exciting. I, you know, um, and but as my husband said, uh, there's really not much time between code yellow and code red. That's what oh. you understand. Oh, okay. It's not like it's not like oh, you know, code yellow, and then you have like two weeks before the whole thing blasts. I mean, no. it could happen at any time. Uh, so it's sort of interesting that people. Uh, choose to live right next to an active volcano and then come to visit this on their summer vacation. Mm. But it it is amazing to see. So that part of the trip was fascinating. And we had an opportunity to hike on the volcanoes, under the volcanoes. We went in a cave, sisters, uh, like a 300 meters below a volcano. I'm sure both of you would have hated it, but it was... It was <laughs> Yes. Leah, you in particular. This trip, this trip sounds terrible to me. You know, I mean, <laughs> it just it but, combines all the things that you would hate, Leah. It does right there. Hiking caves. Oh my god. Okay, we and hiking around it to see volcanoes from different sides. Just I can't say enough about that. But the other part about Chile that makes it that was so interesting and so fascinating has got to be the flora and fauna. And we were very lucky. We had a wonderful guide on our trip, Igor, who is an expert in all the flora in 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 Chile. And I I because I just cannot say enough about the trees in Chile. We had the opportunity to hike through old growth forests with these. 200, 300 foot trees. And a lot of them were from like the beach family. And Igor, our, our, our guide would always give us the name of the tree first in Spanish. And then he would give it in Mapuchen, which is the indigenous language. And then he would give it in Latin. And so my retention of the name of the trees was about 1%. I, <laughs> I did not get it at all. But I can tell you there were big trees there. In fact, there was tree hugging on our trip. Okay? Oh, forest people, bathing. Did you do some forest bathing? Uh, absolutely, land. Absolutely. But people were hugging these trees. Okay. Now, I have an assignment for all Satellite Sisters. I want you to Google monkey puzzle trees these are these are trees that you see throughout um, this area of chile and they're called the aracaria trees and they are just and I, I want you to google the picture and then blow it up so you can see how unusual these trees are because their bark looks like like alligator scale or when they're young trees it looks like a pineapple on the oh, side wow yeah. and then they have these yeah, looking super, at them. They have these super spiky branches and leaves, and they're they're so otherworldly. I mean, you you just feel like you've stepped back in prehistoric time when you're in a forest with these trees. You don't you just you know at any moment you you expect like an Ewok to pop around the corner <laughs> or maybe a baby Triceratops or something. You know, I mean that part That's of it. Cool. Is, these are really, really different, cool, and you feel like you're in some other place. And that's a great thing to have happen on a vacation, to go yes. to, you know, to go to an environment that's so unlike where you live, I think, you know. Um, the other thing they have a lot of in the forest that we hiked in, you know, we had and we were lucky. We had great weather and it was, uh, you know, perfect climate and just, you know, fun hiking with all these people. We also learned about Chilean bamboo. I was surprised to see that there was a lot of that in the uh, in the forest, but it is native to Chile. Um, and, but the Chilean bamboo grows um, a white flower. Now, the bamboo plant only does it once every 25 years, but obviously there's a lot of bamboo in the forest. And then, uh, you know, if you, well, you have a lot of bamboo in, uh, in California, you, you're yeah. from, uh -huh. yeah. And you know, one of the other side effects of having bamboo is it attracts rats, right? Because yeah. rats yes. like to eat the bamboo. Mm -hmm. Well, the, here's, here's the way to hear this, the Chilean bamboo, they have the white flower has these seeds, uh, and guess the the rats love them. They they love these bamboo seeds, and so they eat them. But they're salty. The seeds are very salty. So then the um, rats 
um, uh, feel like they have to drink a lot of water because they've eaten all these seeds. And then they drink the water and then the seeds expand in their stomachs and the rats explode. Oh <laughs> okay. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's okay. worth the trip to Latin America. <laughs> okay. Right? Okay. I'm telling okay. you. I'm telling Exploding you rats. Come on, gonna, people. I got to put that in my book. Wait, okay. I stopped the presses. <laughs> okay. These rats explode and then they become the fertilizer for the bamboo plant to expand. How about that? Okay. Circle life. Circle okay. Life. I, I am telling you, we have a couple, we have a couple of New Yorkers that were on the trip yeah. and they heard about the exploding rats. Okay. The wheels started turning. They're like, how can we import this Chilean bamboo to New York and we can explode all this is, they were all in on uh-huh. okay. Yes. You can see, you can see how that. You would can see happen. that down on the subway tracks, just a lot of seeds, bamboo oh. seeds down yeah, there. There was just that, there was that level of discussion we were yes. having. Uh, with the, with our New York New York hikers because they just you know you know well how would they import the plants when did they the Chilean bamboo grow in New York how many how many rats could they explode in a in okay a- all right I feel like we've heard I, I- okay all right all right I, but I don't know why George Lucas never did a movie set in the Chilean forest because these trees were so unusual and uh, it was it was just great to be there so um I you know that part of the trip was amazing we we hiked up volcanoes to to see various places and and I, I love that so so what did you uh, eat as a trip there, there were just a lot of surprises like you know well, one of the most surprising well uh, things about this area of Chile is in this is so this is northern Patagonia, so south of Santiago, that in the um, mid 1800s, a lot of German immigrants came to this area and helped and settled the area. And then they had another wave of German immigration before World War II, uh, then after World War II, which was complicated because you had both uh, German Jews coming to this area as well as Nazis. But the end result was there are over a half a million German descendants that live in this section of of Chile. And one day um, we stopped at a German German restaurant for lunch. OMG. This place had a, had a, had grilled pork, chicken and lamb. It had three types of mashed potatoes. It had purple sauerkraut, regular sauerkraut. It had sausage, pulled pork. It I mean, and then of course there was a salad bar with potato salad and pickles. This you thought <laughs> I got German. Very, very German. So we all I had a plate that was a probably about five inches high, just of German food. Mm. I mean it was so surprising, but they have a whole German community there. They have a German language school there. So many kids learn it. They have a separate German uh, newspaper in this area. I just did not see that coming at all. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. So fun facts, fun fact, there is a German <laughs> town in my book. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope there's some sauerkraut in the book. I'm, I am going to add the sauerkraut in. It's sort of a passing mention, like, oh, this is weird that this town was started by, you know, 19th century, 18th century German um, immigrants, but okay, I'm going to add the adding the sauerkraut, not adding the exploding rats is what I would say. (laughs) Sauerkraut in. I I think that exploding rat story, you are going to be able to tell that at every dinner party from now on in. Okay, you are. You. So the trip was just filled, you know, with just all kinds of great surprises, whether it would be the German food, the beautiful trees, the mountains. And I think that's what you want when you travel is to, you know, to be stimulated, to be challenged, you know, uh, and it just, uh, it, you know, it, it motivates you. So, I mean, the, we, all of our guides were great. Um, uh, Igor, who has a Russian name and a German last name, he was from that region and had studied all about the animals and plants. He said every time he goes into the forest, uh, it's a surprise for him. Uh, oh. And I, I thought that was such a great, uh, you know, thought. And I, you know, it inspired me to like, 
always be challenging myself to try new things and to look for surprises and to embrace surprises. So all in all, sisters, viva Chile. They, it's a great country. And now you know where the Lake District is. <laughs> yes, as do you. That yes. Good report, Julie. Good report. And I have to say the photos you put up on Facebook are beautiful. So if you're not a member of our Facebook group and you want to see Julie's photos, Now's the time to do it. Maybe I'll drop a few in pep talk talk this week. And Liz, we have um, a link in the show notes to the Backroads, the touring company. Backroads, so the company that did it. Yeah, I I put in a link even to the specific trip so you can see Julie's whole itinerary if you want to go there in your mind. Julie, fantastic. Thank you. Great report. We're glad you're back safely and uninjured and, yes. uh, and, and sounds like you're, do you have a, did, did you start to talk about where next? Yes, absolutely. Land. Yes. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> I don't know where next, but I, I okay. mean, I will definitely do another hiking trip for sure. Oh, maybe you should consider a motorcycle trip with the German <laughs> shepherd. Have you considered that? Because what? I guess. Because our friend and a former producer, Courtney Cole, texted Liz and I this, uh, this this story from CNN, and she's like, right up your alley. Julie, there is a Canadian woman, and she and her 75-pound German shepherd, Moxie, are traveling around uh, 90 countries through Central America, North and South America, Africa, Europe, and Asia on a motorcycle. That's right. Jess, who's the who's the human, she's going to be on the front of the motorcycle. And Moxie, who's the 75-year-old German Shepherd, he sits or she sits in the back of the motorcycle. She's all strapped in. She wears ski goggles and a a protective. Yeah. And they're motorcycling around. She said she just wanted to prove that they could do this. Now, there's a there's an interesting article. And again, this is all in my book. So it's weird about like how uneasy she was on the motorbike, how she had to take all these lessons. I was like, okay, I got that part right. Uh, but that Stone, her husband, and Moxie, and they 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 didn't want a sidecar or a trailer. So she's right on the back of the bike. The photos alone are spectacular, particularly if you're a German Shepherd fan, but just a lot of funny photos of this beautiful German Shepherd in the ski goggles on the back of the bike. <laughs> okay. So I, is that I, your fantasy, Liam, if you take a marriage sabbatical to just go one-on-one, just you and your German Shepherd around the world, that's it? <laughs> no, I think I'd go one-on-one with my German Shepherd to just like a nice beach house and live there for a year. That is my, <laughs> again, I'm not interested in motorcycles, wind in my face. It seems like a lot, you know, but you can, you can, she's, she's, you know, wants to publicize a nonprofit called Girl Up, which is a girl-centered leadership development initiative. And uh, you can follow her along at Go Roughly, R-U-F-F-L-Y, Go oh, Roughly Around the World but very cute. But I, I would like to just have one picture with my dog on the back of a motorcycle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> with the ski goggles on staff. <laughs> Some great photos. Anyways, it was fun to see. Fun to see. All right, Jewel. Uh, great reporting. Thank you very much. Next time, take your dog. That's all I'm saying. Think about it. Consider it. Liz, summer is coming up, and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling there with your your butcher box. What what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in in Bend for part of the summer, I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what what I'm recommending. (laughs) By the way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy to find high quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. No antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz. Right. Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... (laughs) (laughs) It's nice. It's nice. (laughs) Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. 
So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for a year offer plus Get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we, we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who... Bring a touch of something special to your life. Aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSisters at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. (laughs) In their skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the Mega Moisture Duo. Yes. You can you can literally see your skin get firmer, and it just delivers this full body glow. Okay, you know we have raved about the Andaria Algae Body Oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria Collagen Body Oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz. A youthful yeah. glow is going to happen, <laughs> and it's infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed, so it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself (laughs) because you're worth it. (laughs) That's that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code SAD Sisters. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSisters at oseamalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSisters for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. Okay, sisters, I have a an update slash correction from last week. So I just wanted to let you know this is Martha Stewart related, and I should never have said what I said. So here's the thing. La- on last week's show, I gave you my complete review of The Bedford, which is Martha Stewart's new restaurant in Las Vegas. Julie, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to last I week's did, show. Liz. I loved last week's show, and your report from Vegas was outstanding. Okay. Thank you very much. Well, I did mention that I was talking to my server, and my server said, among other things, like she had met Martha a couple times and all of that, but they were given tapes so they could study how Martha pronounced things. And as she was telling me this, she was holding a bottle of red wine in her hand. So I think that's what might have led me down the wrong path, sisters. So she said, for instance, did you know instead of grapes that Martha says grips? And I thought, huh, that's interesting. And that's what I said on last week's show. Yes. Well, what was I thinking? What are the chances that Martha Stewart would be wrong about something? So, but I hadn't really thought it through when I said it. And then on uh, on Facebook, one of our listeners, she just suggested that maybe, maybe what Martha had really said, this is Joan posted this. She had Joan Holder said, great podcast as usual. Just a thought. Do you think the waitress in Martha's restaurant really meant crepes? not grapes, and that Martha was pronouncing it correctly. Well, of course, Joan, of course, of course. you are correct. Yeah. Like, how <laughs> how dare I thought, think that I might have caught Martha in some kind of mistake. She obviously was talking about crepes, not grapes. <laughs> and it was either the server misunderstood 
But more likely, it was me misunderstanding the server. I was led astray, again, because of the bottle of red wine. I thought we were talking about grapes. Anyway, obviously, Martha is teaching servers that it's pronounced crap, not uh, not crepe. And I would just like to apologize to everyone. <laughs> I did have a good laugh about the grips, Liz. I have. But Julie, really, the arrogance of me thinking that I might be correct and Martha would be wrong. That's just not right. That's more. Once again, Martha is not wrong. That is all. That is that is my correction from last week. Thank you, Joan, for pointing out something that should have been incredibly obvious. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to call him Grips. <laughs> I, I can never say him the other way now. For yeah. sure. For sure. Well, I also wanted to do a little follow up and, and a big thank you to everyone in the Satellite Sisterhood that wrote to us at our Facebook group about like when I asked the question that I needed a lunch policy because my husband has now moved into semi-retirement and he was going to be around a lot at lunch. And so we got so many comments, uh, you know, to create a special meal for your special life partner in the middle of the day said no one. No one said that. Okay. <laughs> You know, no one. People said to stand firm, okay, and that do not serve lunch. But here's the thing, and this is what I love. They had so many helpful hints. Lisa said rotisserie chicken. Okay, you can see this. You buy one of those, pop that in the fridge, they can help themselves, right? That was an excellent idea. Louise, you know, she said make extras. People ask me, does my husband eat leftovers? Well, he's going to eat leftovers because that's what he's going to get. Um, Lori said that maybe I should try to encourage him to join a retired old men eating out group. Okay, <laughs> that could be. Ooh. I don't know. Okay. You thought that maybe in a, in a joking way that I should start day drinking, that that would solve the problem about what to do. Lunch. Okay. Laughing out loud, but you know, uh, lunch cl classes that I could teach my husband sandwich 101, how to make his own sandwich. Others encouraged me to put him in charge of bulk food shopping. And I felt like this one really resonated. Like, I, I believe that my husband can really go far in the area of big box bulk food shopping. <laughs> this could really be for in his personal growth would be good. But I think what I'm going to do is stand firm and incorporate all of these ideas of leaving salad fixings in the fridge, creating his own shelf that he knows he could go there. But certainly under no conditions will I be serving lunch. To <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got so much feedback on this, Julie, because it's an issue that I cannot relate to at all. So this is good. I'm glad there are a lot of people out there in in this sisterhood who who have been through this couple's transition it's yes. obviously a major point in any uh in any marriage okay moving on entertaining sisters uh i have an announcement to make um everything everywhere all at once actually is a fantastically fun movie okay oh. i just want to say oh. that I know that I have expressed skepticism, not so much on the show, but just like in real life. Normally, when I see the words science fiction, I'm out, wow. right? And I suspect you guys might be the same. I don't know why. Did someone teach us not to enjoy this genre? Anyway, <laughs> I, I think you should not think about it as science fiction. So, so the other night, I had a couple of friends over. My friend Mary, who you guys know, it was her birthday. My neighbor Deborah, who you guys know, she's my movie watching buddy now. So the three of us, I made dinner. Thank you very much. The African peanut stew was delicious. So I made that. Everyone enjoyed that. Then we sat down and all of us a little skeptical about everything, everywhere, all at once. Because on the one hand, mm, I don't know, a genre issue. But on the other hand, it's like winning all these prizes. Who doesn't love M Michelle Yao? I mean, it's just there's all these reasons why I was beginning to think, I am going to have to watch this movie. So the reason I had the two of them over is like that way, if if you feel like it's not for you, then you can just start talking and it can be fun. You don't have to bail on it. Anyway, I just say all three of us found this movie kind of delightful. But 
you have to go into it knowing that it's not about making sense or following the story or understanding. You just have to ride along on sort of a wave of wackiness, which you are happy to do because all of the performances are are just really super fun. There are times where you literally have no idea what's happening, but that is the point because there are just a lot of, there's some multiverses involved here. There's a lot of montages involved here, but I would say to the two of you, I think in the right mood, if you're in a, an anything goes kind of mood, um, you would really enjoy, enjoy this movie. Um, okay. So, so that's right, it. Just, I'll take I, it under advisement. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who have seen it, I will just say one word that was my favorite word in the entire movie. And that was Rakakuni. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> just going to say Rakakuni. So I, and I also want to compare and contrast everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> the other movie I watched this weekend, which, you know, again, the Oscar noms came out today. Both of these movies got a lot of nominations. The Fablemans. Oh, I, okay. I left. I lasted 30 minutes of the Fablemans and I was out. I oh, really? Just, yes. Wow. I don't know. I just don't like movies about the 50s. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I don't it's, care about the 50s either. It's yeah, just, I, anyway, I know it's Steven Spielberg, but it was just, it was just too slow for me versus everything, everywhere, all at once is like so fast. Well, that's your speed, Liz. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. <laughs> that's true, Julie. <laughs> it, and I'm, I, I think, well, You'll just get to the Rakakuni part and you will see why I found that so delightful. Anyway, uh, congratulations to everything, everywhere, all at once, and the Fablemans, whatever. I don't know. Uh, Okay, other things in uh, Entertaining Sisters. I also binged all of the new episodes of Breakpoint. So this is the documentary on Netflix that is about tennis players. And so it is, if you've been following Leon, I'm sure in your family, you've all watched the Formula One Netflix documentary, right? Yes. Drive yes. to Survive. Okay. So this is- a, the Which has been a huge global hit and attracted all kinds of new yes. uh, viewers to Formula One. We yes. are longtime viewers of F1, but so I'm sure every sport it now wants to do uh, something similar because it's been such a hit. Every sport. I have not been, you know, I work in track and field. I have not been in a meeting in the last two years where somebody hasn't said we need our own drive to survive. I would just like to have a policy. Nobody's allowed to say that anymore. Okay. It's so obvious. It's so obvious. Please, please stop saying it. If you want to do that, please go do it. But no more saying it in a meeting. Anyway, obviously the the tennis people got their act together and this is the same production company that did drive to survive. So it's behind the scenes in the tennis world. And what I really like about it, well, two things. First, it is looking at sort of the young guns coming up on both the men's and women's side that are about to take over from the like the grizzled veterans. You've got your Djokovic's, you've got your Nadal's, you've got your Federer's, you've got Serena retired, all of that. So a whole new generation is coming up. So they pick like you know, eight of the the new generation and they follow them through a whole season. So if you start watching right now, you will see that they are in last year's Australian Open, which is going on right now. So Julie, I know we talked about it a little bit yesterday and you pointed out, which is correct, that all of the young guns they picked to follow have already been eliminated in this year's Australian Open, right? Yes, that's correct. But I can't. I can't wait to see this. And, and and I understand from others that you shouldn't watch the actual Australian Open and Breakpoint at the same time because you're going to get very confused. You're going to get very confused. What is real and what is not? Yes. Yeah. So if fall and when I say young guns, for those of you who are tennis fans, you might know. Taylor Fritz, Casper Ruud, Matteo Berrettini on the men's side, Anne Jabour on the women's side. She is the Tunisian woman mm-hmm. who's the first African woman to make it into a Grand Slam final. Uh, Maria Sakari. Anyway, really interesting character. So, But the most important thing it does for me is answer the question I've always wanted answered, which is, what happens after they lose a match? Like when they walk through that tunnel, yeah. then what happens? Right, Leanne? Haven't you always wanted to yeah. know? Like, right. 
That right. is a that's a hard life. And as they keep as they keep saying, their whole theme about tennis is that everybody loses most of the time, right? That that's right. just the way a tennis tournament works. Only one person wins. You're all by yourself. You're not on a team. And like half the people, boom, they go out in the first round. So you see mm-hmm. a lot of those moments where these young, highly touted players like they lose in the first round and then they walk through that tunnel and then they have to talk to their coach or talk to their family. There's some really great scenes that they did of like it's Matteo Berrettini playing in last year's Australian Open, but they're also filming his parents at home in Rome watching him on TV as he, spoiler alert, he lost last year. And uh, so it's just really, really interesting. And one other big insight, they spend a lot of time inside their hotel rooms, because that's obviously where tennis players live all the time, because it's a tour. They're never home anywhere. Their rooms are unbelievably messy. Like you just have one after the other, after the other. It's just piles of clothes and rackets and free stuff from sponsors. <laughs> and, and and most of them have like a, you know, a husband with them or a girlfriend with them. or And so that you have two 20-somethings just with stuff thrown all over the, the rooms. It's that, that part of it is highly entertaining. Anyway, I would say I would say if you like tennis, you'll really like this. But even if you don't like tennis, there's not a lot of tennis. There's enough tennis in it to give you the feeling for just how tense these matches are. But a lot of it is what it is to compete at the highest level and be in a sport like that where you're all by yourself out there every time in your yeah. competing. Mm-hmm. don't have any okay of the good recommendation so there good you go recommendation okay yeah so um and then one one last compare and contrast meanwhile the old dogs of uh tennis so now you're talking your agassiz your McEnroe's, your changs your Roddicks. they have just announced they are competing in a million dollar pickleball tournament <laughs> that's Did so you read this? smart it's yeah. so smart it's so funny and so smart it's so smart so espn is going to do this live it's a million dollar purse, pickleball. It's uh, happening in like Hollywood, Florida. I forget when. I'll put it in the show notes. But like that is going to be entertaining, right? Yes. They yeah. Are, they can't are wait to see fun. him play. Yeah. Can't wait to see those guys with the with the paddles. Yeah. And at that point, well, you got nothing to lose. They 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 are well beyond the caring if they win or lose. Yes. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think so, Liz. Those are very, very competitive professional athletes. I don't think I'm sure that they are practicing like crazy offsite. And I I can't wait to see McEnroe because he has been so dismissive of pickleball. Oh, really? Every chance. Oh, yeah. On the coverage, every chance he gets, he talks about like how like pickleball has more injuries than skiing. It's like he said it's the most dangerous sport in America, pickleball, because he's like, you're just going to break something or fall over. So he's very pro tennis. So I think it's funny that he's doing it, but they are all super competitive athletes. I don't think they're going to go out there and like just, you know, hit the ball around and think it's hilarious. Oh, no, I I think they're in training right now, which will just FYI, sisters, there is an amateur amateur tournament that is part of this million dollar pickleball slam and the amateur is going to win 10 grand. So if you think your game is good enough, you might want to get in on the action. <laughs> okay. Oof. All right. We've covered a lot of sporting news today. A lot I of know. sporting, motorcycling, hiking, pickleball, all kinds of things. Great show. Thank you. Uh, sisters, that's it. We've come to the end of the show. Of course, we'd like to thank our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. Thank you, Sergio. We'd also like to thank our graphic designer, Emily Loudermilk, who does such fun graphics for the show every week. If you want to see Emily's work, the best place to do that is follow us on Instagram, at Sat Sisters. Uh, also, go ahead and subscribe to Pep Talk. We feature her graphics every week on Pep Talk. We like to spread them around because they're so much fun. Um, let's see. Oh, our to-do list for the week. Liz, what do you have? Well, I have a friend who is coming this afternoon who is staying with me for the rest of the week. He's in town on business. So I have to dismantle the uh, the Satellite Sisters uh, podcasting studio that is in the guest bedroom <laughs> and, okay, and, and, move, and move it into the living room as soon as we're done. So he will have the room to himself. <laughs> there you go. Flexible space, Liz. Flexible space. <laughs> now your problem, Julie, because you're in the closet. No, no one stays in your closet. <laughs> 
No, no, not so far, Leanne. But on my to-do this week, Leanne, it's still chili week here. And so I, I plan to make some empanadas. We had an empanada demonstration. And I now understand that it's all the folding and the molding is so important to your empanadas. So I'm going to try that at home. I also ordered some Isabel Allende books. Um, they didn't come before the trip. So now I think I'm going to re read and reread some of her novels. Oh, great idea. Oh, great. Yep. Fantastic. Well, mine is a little bit more serious or we've just had a terrible stretch of violence here in America from the six-year-old shooting her teacher in a classroom to the mass shootings, two, three in California in the last 10 days, the one in Monterey Park, the one in Northern California yesterday. So the one in Monterey Park, if you don't know, really hit close to home for me, literally and physically. Uh, Monterey Park's only about seven miles where I live uh, here in the San Gabriel Valley in Southern California. Of course, we've all heard the story. It was at the Lunar New Year's celebration they were having there. Monterey Park is 65 percent Chinese. Lunar New Year is such a wonderful, joyous time in Southern California, Liz, wouldn't it you is, agree? Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's because it's very different than American New Year, which is just like drink a lot and get hung over. But like Lunar New Year is joyous and uh, Asian it's people- It's a real family very, celebration, real family yeah. celebration. And they want to include everybody in it. And they, there's always- food and there's costumes and there's visiting elders and they like give little packets of money to to kids and everything it's just a wonderful joyous celebration so and that particular shooting at the the ballroom dance studio you can imagine for those of you who are new uh -huh. listeners don't know that I do do ballroom dancing something I picked up about 5 years ago I have come to really love the sort of goofy rainbow unusual coalition that are ballroom dancers there are lots of studios in Southern California. So I haven't danced at that particular studio, but I have danced at others around town. I, when I heard about the news, I immediately texted my dance teacher. Are you okay? Did you happen to be there? Uh, you know, were any of your students there? Uh, it, it's just so terrible. I mean, you've been to my dance shows, Liz. There's just, just, these are just like, it's a little bit like of me. everybody. Like, it's a little bit of is. everybody. Yes. It yeah. is. There's there's nobody threatening at a ballroom dance studio. You know, people have gone right. there and they've put on their fun dresses and they're trying to rumba and they're trying to cha-cha. I read a lot of pieces this week about how the Asian community particularly loved the Latin dances because they were so fun and free. And, and so they were rumbaing and cha-chaing and just enjoying themselves. So that particular mass shooting hit me so hard. And uh, so I have been taking some time off of dance, but I'm going to get back into it. I feel like I need to go back to a dance studio, not stay away from a dance studio. So no, that's on my to-do yeah. list this yeah. week yeah. as I okay. think of all, all the victims, all the victims of the terrible violence in America in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So anyway, that's it. That's oh. it. Um, all right, sisters, uh, have a great week. You, you too, too Leanne. Yes. And don't forget. Call your satellite sister. <laughs>